This episode is brought to you by Greg Morris Cards, one of the largest sports card sellers on the planet. Greg sells over 80,000 vintage and modern cards every month, including basketball, football, baseball, hockey, all sports really. And the best part is anyone can take advantage of GMC's platform by signing up for consignment services. What are you waiting for? Head on over to gregmorriscards.com consignment and start moving your cards with Greg Morris today. What's up, everyone? This is episode 250 of the Wax Museum podcast, where I talk about all things basketball cards from past to present to future. This is your host, Kyle, and as always, you guys can find me throughout the week on social media. My Instagram is at Wax Museum Podcast, and my X account is at Wax Museum PC. All right, well, you heard it there 250 episodes. And that's one of those nice even numbers that kind of forces you to sit back and reflect for a moment. I'm not going to sit back for very long, though. Some of you have been with me since the start. Some of you jumped on board a little later on. I know a lot of you came back to the hobby a year or two after I started on this journey. Either way, I want you to know I'm thankful you're here, and I'm excited to share number 250 with you today. And I couldn't think of a better person to share episode 250 with than my friend and fellow Pacers fan, Steve, also known as Vintage Pacers on Instagram. And obviously we chat all the time. It's no secret that this has been a pretty exciting season for us so far. So there was no shortage of topics to talk about for this episode. We chatted about the franchise's worst moments. We talked about Tyrese Halliburton. We talked about custom cards. And then we even mentioned some dream cards we'd like to see in the near future among other things. And I'm actually going to skip out on the mail segment this week and leave the majority of the time for that conversation. I want to make sure you hear that. I'll have that for you here in a moment. So you'll want to make sure to stay tuned for that. Before I get there, real quick, some of you have asked me for ways you can help support this show. The easiest way is my eBay affiliate link. And using this link costs you absolutely nothing, just an extra 30 seconds or so of your time but it helps support the show. To access this link, simply go to waxmuseumpodcast.com, click the eBay logo, shop as planned, so whatever you are going to buy anyway, just click my link first, and the show gets a small commission in the process. Once again, that's www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. This is Slick Leonard. You're listening to the Wax Museum Podcast. Boom, baby! Okay, so making his third appearance on the show today is someone I message with on a daily basis. And there are some days I might even talk with him more than I talk to Mrs. Wax Museum. You guys probably know him best by his Instagram handle, which is at Vintage Pacers. And Steve, the the people listening at home don't know, we're recording this the morning after the Lakers defeated our Pacers in the in-season tournament finals, which was a very difficult game to watch. And and we'll, we'll reflect on that a little bit here. Now that that tournament run is behind us and the dust has settled a little bit, what's your takeaway from this whole experience and this whole in-season tournament in general? 
I thought it was awesome. People have been complaining for several years now that regular season games don't mean anything and with players sitting out for load management and so on and so forth, but they found a way to make it interesting. And I remember before the season started, everyone was sort of making fun of this tournament and yeah. just, I, I was not a fan. I'll, I'll say it right now. I was not a fan. Well, they didn't do a great job of it, just explaining it. There mm -hmm. were players still during the season that said they didn't know how it worked, and they're involved in the league. So, yeah, I thought it was awesome. It gave us a chance to see the Pacers on national TV for a couple games, three, I believe. Mm -hmm. And they played as well as they played all season in those games, minus last night. Well, and even, you know, it it, it didn't feel close last night, but there was a point where with, with six minutes left, they were only down three. So it, had they been able to go on a run, you know, you never know what could have happened here. And I saw a story post this morning where someone was basically scolding people for thinking the Pacers were major contenders this year. And I will say I haven't, you know, you're going to hear me talk about the Pacers just because that's my team. And, and likewise with you, I haven't seen one reasonable person actually give that take. Nobody is saying that the Pacers are contenders. Nobody is saying that, you know, they should make the finals just because of this little run that they've had. If you watch them on a consistent basis, you know, there are some flaws. So with that being said, I've got a listener question for you already here from enjoy cards underscore IG, who's a Tyrese collector. He asked, will the Pacers make a move this season? If so, who or what do they need? They definitely need something. So if so, who or what do they need? What's your take on that, Steve? Well, what they need right off the bat is someone that can play defense and can score 15 points a game. They don't need a star. They need someone to compliment Tyrese, who's preferably 6'7 to 6'9, somewhere in that range. Just a, a bigger wing because we don't have any, and that was very evident last night against the Lakers because it, it was like all of their lineup throughout the game was mostly guys in that like 6'7", six, 6'8", six, big wings. Their entire lineup was consistent of those guys, and they just had more size than we did. But yeah, I think that's probably what they need. If they go out and get someone like that, I could see it being OG from Toronto. Right. Yeah. Um, We've heard that name thrown around a lot the last, really the last year and a half. OG, yeah, Pascal Siakam, but I, I, so, I get the impression that Masai is not easy to deal with in Toronto. No, everything that we've heard since last year was he wants, you know, four first round picks and a prospect, stuff like that, which is never going to happen, especially for a guy that's going to be a free agent in this coming so, summer. <laughs> so, yeah, I yeah, mean, I could see it. The Pacers could realistically, they've got the cap space. They they don't technically have to pick up Bruce Brown's option. I think they will. They can let Buddy Heald go. There's a lot of money that they can free up to sign somebody. If they wanted to wait until then, which is probably the right move, then I, I think that's what they're going to do. I know people are saying you don't want to waste a year of, of Tyrese's prime. Tyrese is, is 23 years old. Um, not to say that we should take our time with this, but uh, the Pacers, it's it's they're not one step away from winning now. Right. Um, I think they can make some noise, but they're not one step away from winning right now. So uh, if you guys at home, if you haven't figured it out already, obviously we're going to talk a lot about the Pacers today. Um, you know, we're Pacers fans. That's what we do. But to keep everybody else invested and entertained, I thought it'd be a good idea to let the listeners suggest topics or questions for our conversation as well. And most of the suggestions that came in were Pacers related, one of which you've already heard. 
And Steve, you and I have been celebrating a lot lately and, and rightfully so because this young team has been a lot of fun. So I want to slide this next question in to sort of give this enjoyment some more context and maybe humble us a little bit in the process uh, by opening up old wounds. So Mike Bev Celtics, thanks ahead of time, Mike. He asked, right. what is the worst moment as a Pacers fan? And I let me, I'll give a little more context here. There's some stuff out there about the Pacers drafting Larry Bird or trading a pick away that could have been Michael Jordan or even, you know, we know that they drafted Kawhi for the Spurs. Those situations are very nuanced. Those don't bother me. Uh, and, and I'm not speaking for you, Steve. Maybe those were one of your worst um, cases here. But I'm going to stick with the ones I personally watched. And um, I'm going to name a list off myself. And then we can talk about them. And Steve, you can let me know if I miss any. Okay, So in, in my gotcha. lifetime, since I've been watching since around 94, 95, I would say the 98 Game seven loss to the Bulls, losing to the Lakers in the 2000 finals, the 2004 Tayshawn block uh, on Reggie Miller in the Eastern Conference finals game two, the 2004 uh, brawl in Detroit, 2005 Reggie Miller's last game, which was in the playoffs against the Pistons, uh, 2013 LeBron layup game one, where we, we gave up a game winner in the playoffs. And um, 2014, Paul George breaks his leg. That was a pretty big deal. And then 2019, Oladipo ruptures his quad. Am I missing anything there? I've got four. They're less big moments, okay. but personal to me. Okay. Um, so I've got losing to the Magic in the 95 Eastern Conference Finals. Okay. I can see um, that one. I just vividly remember watching it in our living room i was laying underneath our coffee table on the floor just staring at the tv and being so angry in game seven <laughs> because they were just getting smoked i was 12 13 ish and it was like oh we're we're gonna make the finals this year and i'm only about two or three years into my pacers fandom at this point so i hadn't really experienced the real heartbreak yet that was to come right just that was the primed. first taste of it. Yeah. Yeah. And Shaq was just Shaq. Every game Orlando won that series. He let the team in scoring. He was, he did what he was supposed to do. And yeah, that was the first time I can remember just being just fully heartbroken by the Pacers. I went to my bedroom and just started tearing posters off the wall. I was so mad as like a young little preteen angry kid. <laughs> right. Um, so I've got that. Larry Johnson's four point play. Oh God. How I'll, can I, I, yeah, I left that off. That was a, I, a huge win. It's still BS. Antonio Davis did not foul him. Uh, that four point play, um, the malice, obviously I didn't experience that live at the time. I was uh, pretty fresh in the Marine Corps and I had just recently gotten stationed out in Hawaii. So it's a five hour, the Hawaii is five hours behind. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't see the game that night because I couldn't watch TV. I didn't have cable in my barracks room. But I remember getting a phone call from my best friend, James, who I had season tickets with later. It was like seven in the morning. And I was like, why is he calling me at seven in the morning on Saturday? <laughs> like, what happened? And he's like, did you see what happened? It's like, no, what are you talking about? And he tells me the story. There's a huge fight. And I was like, just hearing it, you can't really imagine mm -hmm. what the visual was until you've actually seen it. <laughs> And I remember running down to the, there's a rec room in our barracks and just turning on ESPN. And of course it was 
all day, wall yeah, wall all coverage, yeah. And I was just blown away. I was like, is this real? Like, am I awake right now? Is this really happening? Um, so yeah, that was just a weird experience. And then an underrated one for me was Larry Bird firing Frank Vogel for basically no real reason and then okay. hiring Nate McMillan. Okay. And the reasoning behind it just making absolutely no sense and making me very angry. That's when I started losing faith in Larry Bird. Okay. Yeah. When you said you had four, I was trying to think of the last one. I was thinking maybe he's, maybe it's going to be the, the Granger for Evan Turner trade, but uh, that, well, that's another wound. We won't even go into all yeah. that. It's not the worst thing to happen. So, okay. So if we're going to analyze these, which we won't, we don't have to spend a ton of time on all of these. Um, the, the magic loss, I was, kind of just right into my fandom. Like it didn't really phase me any. I'm just like, okay, you know, whatever. I wasn't fully invested in the team at that point. Um, so that one affected you a lot more than it did me. The um, 98 loss to the Bulls in game seven. I got to be honest, even at 10 years old, I think I had just conceded to the fact that like MJ was, was the man. And I had, you mentioned tearing down posters in your room. I had at least three Pacers posters in my room, but in the corner, and I, I don't know if I've ever confessed to this before, I had a poster of, of Jordan, Pippen, and Rodman. So it, it's just like you kind of just accepted that the Bulls were a thing then. So I don't know if that one really upset me as much as it should have. It, that's what it was. It was just acceptance and just knowing the inevitable. <laughs> And then um, well, that kind of carried over to the 2000 finals. Um, and, and I'm going to, I'll skip the Larry Johnson four point play here. Although we could talk about that some more, the 2000 finals, you kind of just accepted that Shaq and Kobe were just better, right? Like that. Yeah. I, I don't feel, I, I don't know. I felt more helpless in that instance. So I don't think that was the worst moment. Uh, the Tayshawn block was just awful, right? The, Miserable. The, yeah. um, the brawl, I I did watch it live uh, on TV. It was a national broadcast. I was actually at a concert that night. I had a bad headache. A friend and I were there. I said, hey, I, I just want to watch the second half of this game. Let's just go home. Went home. Obviously, we watched it all play out. We were in disbelief. I didn't understand at the time that it would really affect the franchise for like a decade afterwards. And I, I've gone into all that before. Don't have to explain all that again. Reggie's last game, which is one that didn't initially come to mind, but is one it, it kind of got me a little uh little sad just thinking about it. For those that don't remember that moment, and probably if you're not a Pacers fan, you won't. After the loss to the Pistons in the playoffs the year, um, the year two years prior, then we had the brawl, then we had uh we ended up playing them in the playoffs again after all of that. And Reggie Miller's last game was a home game against the Pistons, a loss. Larry Brown even called the timeout so the crowd could um, keep serenading him. Uh, they were just panning to people just crying in the crowd. Uh, just a really sad moment. And to me, that was just like, it's just crushing because it was not only is your your childhood hero retiring on on live TV, but like it's at the hands of the the team that I just I just hated so much. Like I hated yeah. the Pistons so much. I wish they were better right now so I could hate them again. I do, I can't yeah. even, they're so bad right now. I can't hate them. But anyway, I'm, I'm going on and on here. Uh, Mike has opened up an old wound. So there there's the LeBron layup. There's Paul George breaking his leg, which um, I don't know. Would you, I would say that essentially ended that Pacers run 
in the sure. early 2010s. And then yeah. um, Oladipo rupturing his quad, which was a big deal at the time. Because I remember they covered his his leg with the towel. And it, mm-hmm. to me, it kind of brought that Paul George injury back and the yeah. years that it took to recover from that. So my vote is Reggie's last game. I don't know. what 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 is your official ruling on this? I've got to go with the my earliest one just because of the sentimental aspect of it. It just it taught me early on how low the feeling of being a fan can feel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and being like truly being a fan and not just someone that sort of dips in and out, but like supporting 100 percent of the time and just seeing, oh, this is this is the way that it hurts. <laughs> Yeah, my my nephew is seven. He's just now getting into the Pacers. He's also playing a lot of sports, and uh, losing's been kind of hard for him. And uh, I thought it was kind of uh, interesting that now he's also getting into the Pacers. I, I told my sister, I said, "Well, you know, that will actually do a pretty good job of conditioning him for this yeah. life if, if that's the path he's going to go down." So. Uh, We mentioned Reggie in there a lot. It's hard to imagine someone sort of taking Reggie's place. We wanted that person to be Danny Granger. We wanted it to be Paul George. Uh, We wanted it even to be Oladipo. We were just desperate for somebody to be that person. But none of them were really on that level. Now, Tyrese Halliburton, we've got to talk about today. And you wrote a story post earlier this week that plays into our next listener submission from friend of the show, Choli. He wrote, I need to hear the discussion around Steve's take that 15 years from now, it will be recognized that Reggie and Halliburton will be the best two Pacers of all time. So uh, talk to us a little bit about that post and your thinking. So my thinking on it is not dating back to the ABA days because it's hard to for us to quantify their greatness, right. really. We didn't see it in person. Um, with Paul George and with Oladipo, we, we thought we had those guys, but there was always something just kind of not there uh, and it showed itself pretty quickly uh, mm-hmm. as soon as Paul George became the star of the team it, shortly thereafter he he became PG-13 which is yeah he, he really definite, he went Hollywood like literally yeah. Um, yeah and he wanted to go push to LA bad so yeah, yeah. it his words started to show pretty quickly and then with, with Oladipo his uh, his time with us like as the guy looking back was really short Mm -hmm. Uh, that first season he was with us it was like magic but then shortly thereafter a couple little injuries and then the quad which just took him out entirely basically Uh, but he also started having sort of the diva hollywood personality traits doing the mass singer putting out an an r&b album and just it's not stuff that you fault guys for but it's just like seeing it once before very recently with Paul George, it's like, Oh, is this the same thing happening again? Yeah. We, we noticed it it pretty, yeah. Or pretty early on, like you said, when it started to happen, we kind of started preparing ourselves for where it was headed. Uh, And and thankfully, uh, well, I mean, they even offered after the ruptured quad, they offered him a hundred million dollars and he turned it down, which uh, at the time I was like, this guy is, is insane. And obviously he doesn't want to be here. And and uh, we, we were very fortunate that he turned that money down. Yeah. Um, so, so, but now we've got Tyrese, right? So talk to yeah. me about that. So with Tyrese, the way I see it is he's already shown that he's got 
Reggie tendencies in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not afraid of the big moments. He kind of thrives in them is the way it seemed, especially here lately. He's a Midwest kid, so he's from this part of the country. He fits in well with our fan base. Uh, his family has taken to Indiana as if it's their home. You see his dad on the court every home game. He's his biggest supporter, which is funny because I've seen some people on the internet recently since we've been on national TV saying that his dad's show, it's just all a show. And right. it's like, you you haven't been watching this guy since Tyrese got to Indiana. Like, they're they're criticizing a guy for being a good dad. Yeah. Like, did you just not have a good dad? You don't know what right. this looks like. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's got the talent. Um, he seems to have the drive and the motivation to be great. You can see his improvement since he's gotten here and he's been, you know, great since he got here, but just, he seems to have that drive to want to be truly great and just doesn't seem like the kind of guy that is going to want to go to LA or Miami and just be a, a superstar. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just seems like a pretty humble kid and we got him on the long-term extension, which I think is going to do great things for us as a franchise. We're going to have other guys that want to come here, seeing the way that mm-hmm. he plays, how unselfish he is, which again, that's just a personality trait that I think is going to make him, it's going to endear him to our fan base and it's going to just build. Yeah, they've him. actually had to beg him to shoot more Yeah, because <laughs> he was just moving the ball so much, which is great. And now uh, it's it's like he gets his points pretty naturally, but then also leads the league in assists at the same time. So uh, we haven't seen that with our, our past iterations of stars. I mean, even Reggie wasn't a, you know, a passer like that. He wasn't, well, he wasn't a facilitator. No, it was a run all over the court, run his defender ragged until they couldn't keep up with him anymore. And he never stopped. Right. But yeah. Wasn't, he wasn't dishing out 13 assists a game to his teammates. Yeah. So as a result of this, I think we've both been wanting to buy Halliburton cards. And I, I I don't know the exact quote, but I know after the Boston and Milwaukee games, I messaged you something to the effect of, I want to buy a Halliburton card tonight. I know it's a reactionary buy. I understand the risk associated with it. And I'm fine with that. Coincidentally, I bought a Matherin because I didn't find a Halliburton that that I actually I'm still trying to buy cards that I actually want. There's a lot of junk out there, but yeah. um, I haven't felt this strongly about a reactionary buy since TJ Warren in the bubble. And, um, you know, there's a lot of of King stuff out there still. I'm trying not to buy that. I'm trying not to buy all this disco stuff. So it, it's just hard to find stuff. Now, um, you the last time you're on here, you talked about your blue rookie project. And then you also, you've convinced me to buy a college RPA, which I am incredibly grateful for that. But um, still, prices are astronomical. And I, I guess we're just not used to buying stars in the modern era, the ultra modern era. Without talking about your most recent purchase, which we'll get to here in a few moments, talk to me about how you've navigated this whole Tyrese thing so far when it comes to cards. It's been kind of difficult because his prices have gone through the roof, especially in the past couple of weeks, as you know, the hype has built up, his prices do what they do for any young star when there's a ton of hype around him. So I try to stay in my lane. I search for bargain pickups of stuff that might not be on the investor club uh, radar, but it's stuff that looks cool to me, um, has some level of rarity to it. 
and isn't like you say like a disco or some random thing that i'm not gonna want in some two animal months print yeah like yeah i have a i have an oladipo like tiger prism that i can't get rid of so, <laughs> uh, what do i do with <laughs> yes this i bought a, a halliburton uh it's a mosaic blue disco it's numbered to like 85 but it's a psa 10 and i got it for like 20 dollars, so it was cheap enough that i was like all right it's a psa 10 at some point if i don't like this i can sell it and at least make my money back And I haven't looked at it since I bought it. Yeah, It's that just that sitting time, somewhere. Steve, might be right now. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably going to go up sometime soon. <laughs> now, you mentioned to me yesterday that you still have a few nice non-Pacers cards stashed away that you can move for a nice Tyrese card. So it's nice to have that stuff stored away. So we might as well ad address a question that was like that real quick from Green Stiller. He said, where did Steve get all those 99, 2000 gold finest that he's been supplying player collectors with? Tell, tell me a little bit about that. When I saw the question, I was kind of confused because like, I was like, have I really been supplying them that much? And then I started, I had to go look in my Flickr account. I was like, I've only had a few that I've sold. Um, I think I just bought some of the rookies from that set probably right before the big boom of like 2020. Coincidentally, they were all in PSA 10. And at the time I got them for a fraction of the price that they would sell for now, but it was Lamar Odom, uh, Ron Artest, and I think a Kenyon Martin. I just bought them because I thought they were cool. That draft class wasn't the greatest, but I've got some nostalgic ties to it with collecting Jonathan Bender and just the players associated in that class. So, and I think the cards look awesome. Uh, so I bought a few and, of them just to have. <laughs> and that was the Artest that I think Al mentioned on here yeah. maybe about a month ago. So, um, yeah. You you got them to the right people though, so that's a good thing. So yeah. so what's left from that stash? I know you got some Damon Stoudemire, right? I've got some random Damon Stoudemire inserts. Um, not a ton, but it's just stuff like you know, thrill seekers. It's stuff from like ninety seven, ninety eight. It's not like huge cards, but stuff that cumulatively I could sell and get myself a nice Tyrese card. <laughs> Maybe All right. a nice Tyrese card, depending on how crazy his prices keep going. Yeah, I know. Well, if it's like that, the the Prism Gold or the Patch Auto listing I sent you yesterday, we are uh, we're in for a, a rough one. We just right. need a lot more stuff to come out really quick here. All right, allow me to interrupt for a moment here to remind you that this show is brought to you in part by ComC.com, your home for buying, selling, flipping, and grading now too. And from now until December 31st, ComC is offering $2 off all PSA value and CGC bulk subs. Or maybe you've already got some graded stuff in your inventory. Feel free to take advantage of their no minimum auction event. For more information about either of these promos, head on over to ComC.com today. Uh, in the meantime, if the, the Tyrese cards that we want, maybe they don't even exist right now. We've both explored the idea of customs a little bit. When he first got traded to the team, I made kind of like a next day auto a version of that because he didn't have his, a next day auto. He was in that COVID rookie class and I had him sign that. And then recently you showed off an incredible, I, I guess we would call it a, a Tyrese uh, PMG that you had made by somebody on Instagram. And um, this next question refers to that from MJ sports cards. He says, um, you had an awesome, uh, he's talking about my Iverson custom and he said, and Steve just picked up that gorgeous Tyrese custom. What's your thinking with them? Where do they fit into the PC? So first off, tell, tell us a little bit about that custom that you picked up if people haven't seen it. 
So it's from a guy uh, by the name of Corey uh, on Instagram. It's at when we were kids. He does really cool custom art cards. Um, it's not like you're not to crap on anyone, but I'm not a big fan of like the Frankenstein custom cards where you cut cards up and tape them and paste them together. So, so yeah. So like these are all designed on the computer. They're not made right. from existing physical cards. Right. Yeah. These are say. all original art um, with some inspiration taken from maybe past sets. Um, so he had created a set. Uh, I believe it was six cards. It was like Devin Booker, Steph Curry, bigger name guys that are, you know, the superstars of the league, but did them in the style of 97, 98 uh, metal universe uh, championship. And I had told him, Hey, if you ever do any more of these Tyrese Halliburton would be a pretty good you know, option to go with. And then it was maybe a week and a half, two weeks later, he posted a, what he created on his page. And I messaged him and said, Hey, I'm, I want this, like, what's your price on it? And he sent me a message back and was like, he's a super nice guy. I've talked to him several times. Give me a very fair price on it. And it's, they're all one of one. They're made to order one of ones. And I got it in Friday, I believe. And it's just one of the coolest cards I've got. It's a custom. So, you know, some people aren't going to pay much attention to those, but to me, it's, they're some of my favorite cards that I've got in my collection. Yeah, and, and kind of in the spirit of, of this question from NJ Sports Cards, I was not a big custom fan at one point, but I, you know, I've got some very specific wants now. And and if those aren't being made by the manufacturers and and it certainly looks like they're not going to be, um, we're just in a a, a weird in-between time right now. I will say I'm I'm a lot more receptive to it than I used to be. And I, I actually was a little bit jealous of you when I saw that you grabbed that Tyrese and I, then I saw a video of it in hand. I thought, man, you know, I, I, I don't think I've ever wanted a custom card that much. And uh, so you've got something pretty cool and I'll probably reach out to him as well. I know I'm not going to get the same one as you, uh, which that's fine. We want it to, to stay a special card, but uh, I think I'll probably reach out to him as well. Now, speaking of cards that don't exist yet, we got a question from Jason m heat cards he asked for our halliburton wish list and cards that uh you and i would like to see panini make of halliburton before they lose the license do you have anything specifically that you haven't seen yet that you're you're wanting um ideally i would love to see a finals mvp auto uh, okay. from panini in the next year or so right um, realistically uh, i would just like some sort of a game dated patch card mm -hmm with a decent size patch um, and then a perhaps patch. even from an in-season tournament game, that seems like yeah. a perfect opportunity. And exactly. I was thinking like, I really want that patch on the back of the Jersey. Although I know that would mm -hmm. probably sell for like thousands of dollars. And then either a dual auto or dual patch of Tyrese and Reggie would be just, mm -hmm. I know it would sell for way more than I could pay for it, but I'd just love to see one made. It would be awesome. And probably I, at the top of the wish list. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking the I'm with you. The things that I want made, I don't think I could afford, but at the same time I want to have a chance, right? Like mm -hmm. I know I probably wouldn't be able to buy them, but at least give me a chance to move some things and and make an attempt for it. Um yeah, I was thinking a um a Tyrese I actually on my notes here, I had the exact same thing, Tyrese Reggie dual auto. And uh I've even thought about it myself, like if uh if Reggie would do some actual signings 
I've thought about trying to make one because I've, I've had a little bit of success getting Tyrese, although I think he's going to be a lot tougher going forward now that people are really interested in him. But, you know, up to this point, he's been pretty accessible at games in Orlando when I went. So we'll see. Okay. Uh, as we begin to wind things down today, I've got a few more listener topics that I don't think will take us nearly as long, but I want to make sure they get addressed. The first one comes from Kyle underscore collects who wrote, ask Steve about his growing Aaliyah Boston collection. Okay. So tell us about that. Um, so I started, I wanted to pick up some of her cards. She's, uh, she was number one pick last year for the fever. Um, I think she's got a pretty good chance of assuming she has a healthy career and our front office doesn't trade away all the players and the picks again. Um, she's got a pretty good chance of meeting or exceeding some of Tamika catching's records. Just the way the game's played now, it's a faster pace. She's an amazing talent. Um, so I think she's got a chance of being one of, if not the top fever players ever, assuming, you know, healthy career in terms of the growing collection. It has grown from non-existent to three cards. So it's still a work in progress, but I want to keep it to a fairly small collection. I don't want to pick up every, I'm not doing a prism rainbow or anything like that. I just wanted to pick up a couple fairly significant cards. Um, so I got the Bowman U. It's the Chrome Red Refractor Auto number to five. Um, I got that extremely cheap. I think it was just not a great listing and worked to my advantage. And then I picked up a Prism Red Rookie just for the color match aspect of it. And I've got one other Bowman Inception Blue Auto. It's numbered to 99, I believe. But yeah, that's all I've got now. I assume I'll pick up more, but yeah, it's a pretty small collection currently. Well, and um, as Kyle and I chatted about, there's really not a lot out there to choose from. So yeah. I would say you you really got the things that that are out there that are worth getting. I'm I'm kind of the same way. I haven't got that color match yet, but that's something I I want to target. I know Origins, a lot of people have been excited about that, but it's it's sticker autos and and manufactured relics. So I I really can't get yeah. into Origins and and no offense to anyone that likes it, it's just not my preference. What what have you thought about that Origins product? To me it was a huge letdown because I thought it could have been really cool. Um but then as soon as the images started coming out with this, it's all sticker auto and none of the patches are worth a dime to me personally. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that was pretty disappointing. I might still pick up some of the base parallels of, you know, Leah Boston, maybe Nelissa Smith. Um, but yeah, I'm just very unmotivated to pick up any of that stuff for the most part. Yeah. I, I don't feel like they put much effort into that product. And I, no. I think they took it for granted that WNBA collectors just don't have a lot of products. So they're going to buy it yeah. either way. And, and, and you know what, I don't blame them. I don't blame them one bit for that, but for someone like me and, 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 and you as well, where we have so many interests, we have to be kind of picky about what we choose. So uh, yeah. I, I chose not to go with origins. Okay. So the next set of questions or topics comes from Jim Mint pop one. The first one he wants to know about or he wants us to talk about is early Paul George Panini inserts and parallels. And then the second one he wants us to touch on is how to tell why one of one patches are significant when it's not an obvious logo man or laundry tag. So there's a lot to unpack there. So let's touch on the Paul George Panini inserts first. And I don't know if you heard last week I talked about that Knights of the Round uh, is just a really just a 
a crappy insert in my opinion, but that's my own fault. I just, I bought it thinking it would be much better than it's not. You, and correct me if I'm wrong, you don't really strike me as as hunting those early inserts so much as you are doing more team sets. Is that correct? Right. Yeah, I did a lot of um, like the blue prism, blue select uh, prisms, team sets. And then there were some other odd sets from 2013, 14. I think that's the area that I've focused mostly on for the Paul George inserts and parallels. There was a 2013-14 Pinnacle. They did a parallel that was called Museum Collection, mm -hmm. um, where it's like Dufex uh, foil overlay. I think those look really cool. They're really cheap. I think I put the team set together for about $13 or so. So those look really nice. They're not worth much. You're not going to you know flip them. But if you're just looking for a cool parallel or insert, that's a cool one. 2013-14 Select, I think is... It's probably my favorite shiny product that Panini's ever done. I think the color on all of the different parallels looks awesome. And the overall base design is like perfect to me. Uh, so I, there's two different Paul George inserts in that product. There's one called Skills, and then there's another called Stars. And if you get the shiny versions of, you know, the Prism or Blue Prism, of either of those, they look amazing in hand. They just shine. They've got a ton of color. Uh, another one would be 2013-14. Again, uh, Prism Brilliance is the name of the insert. Uh, the silver version, it's got some of the best shine that you can find, and it's maybe a 3 or $4 card. None of these are high value. Like You're not going to break the bank on them, and you're not going to make a bunch of money trying to flip them but they look great. Between Select and Prism, uh, 2013, like Panini had something figured out. Like those, the the colors popped on those so much. They look so good. Yeah, it's by far my favorite year of products that Panini put out. Uh, there's a 2014-15 hoops insert called Picture Perfect. It's, again, not an expensive card. There's an artist-proof parallel that's numbered to 99. I actually used to have the jersey number 24 of 99. Somewhere along the line sold it, probably when I was mad that PG requested a trade. Uh, wish I had that one back. Uh, and then the last one is 2016-17 Studio. The high number, there was a high number subset, essentially, in the base set where there was, I believe people call them sketch. They're like mm -hmm. artists' renderings, and they've got holofoil, text on it and then a trim around the border that's in hollow foil they're supposed to be short print i believe they are to some degree i don't know what the print run would be but you don't see them pop up that often and paul george has one in that and it's one of my favorite paul george cards yeah i think will actually sent just sent me a listing from that studio sketch and i know jason small town cards has been kind of hinting that I should get one of those for years now. So now hearing you confirm it as the third person, I, I think I should probably go that route. Do you have all of those, Paul George, you just listed off? I do have all of those. Um, I'm sure there's some that I've forgotten. I was just going through my Flickr account looking for Paul George inserts that I do have. And those are all ones that stuck out to me as ones that I needed to pick up. And it's all Paul George cards that I picked up after he was gone. I don't think I had any of these while he was with the Pacers. There's a, one other that was, uh, it's more so for Pacers collectors in general. Uh, it's 2013-14 again. It's from Innovation. Mm -hmm. There was a, I believe you told me about this one initially. Yeah. It's an insert called Starters, where it features all five starters 
just headshots and a horizontal layout, but it's got some nice like etched silver foil on the front. It's a really nice looking card and you don't see them pop up all that often. So they may have been kind of tough pulls, uh, but yeah, it's a pretty cool looking card. If there's any Pacers fans out there that like pining for something from that era. Yeah, and they, um, I haven't seen anything like that uh, until the recent Mosaic version where I think it was called Starting Five. Yeah. That might not be right, but I think it's called Starting Five where they had, uh, and we've talked about how our, our starting lineup on there, I don't think ever played a game together, but um, those are not necessarily easy to come by either. When you do find them, they're like five bucks, but it's just one of those that's a fun little chase. Okay, the second part of his question or the second topic he had is it revolves around one-on-one patches and how to know which ones are significant when it's not an obvious logo man or a laundry tag. And I, I think that this is kind of a subjective answer, but what would be your criteria for buying a one-on-one patch? Yeah, for me, it's if it's not a logo man or a tag, the only thing that I could think it would be if it's game-dated, you mm-hmm. could trace it back to a specific moment or just a set that has some history and it's not a one-off from some random product, but a set that has some sort of long-term history of, you know, nice design uh, and some sort of significance to it. But yeah. Uh, and then always the patch itself, you know, size and if it's like a decent patch and not just a piece of Jersey trim, because there are some one-on-ones that has some pretty brutal looking patches in them and, they don't appeal to me in any way just because they have a one-of-one stamp next to it. Yeah. And I think um, over the years, people have sent me this. I think it was a grand reserve Jeff Teague. It keeps coming up for sale. It seems like it's a one-of-one patch. Uh, the patch window is not all that big. It's not a tag or anything. And to me, I, I would just rather ha- have the you know number to 20. Actually, I don't even want the Jeff Teague from that set, um, but I would rather just have a nice jumbo Jeff Teague from another set number to 25 or or whatever. Maybe one of the flawless from that year, they had them in there. But um, the, the serial numbering doesn't do a lot for me. Now, you know, if he was number one, then I might consider it. But even then, it's I'm I'm not going to pay a huge premium for that. Is that Grand Reserve? Is it the is it a black parallel? It yeah, like or green or something. It's something yeah. It's something that looks different. It, it it's really not. And I think he's wearing a Hickory jersey in the picture, but maybe not the the patch is not Hickory. I don't. There's just a lot clashing on that card. I, I just can't do it. Yeah, there's a Grand Reserve one of one Teague that I sold years ago because I didn't really care for the card. <laughs> okay, so so maybe yeah, so maybe um I saw it before you bought it. I think I had the opportunity to buy it from you, and I've probably seen it a couple times since then. Yeah. So uh, Jeff Teague's getting passed around a little bit here. <laughs> Uh, All right, let's close this out with one more question. We've talked about Pacers cards. We've talked a little bit about the fever. I haven't mentioned the Cincinnati Reds yet, and I'm not going to, but I know you're buying those as well. You've got a lot of interest you're juggling here. So have you put much thought into your 2024 hobby goals yet, or what direction are you looking to go with your collection this coming year? Uh, My main goal is the same as it is every year, and I achieve it to varying degrees, is just to consolidate I've got so much stuff that is just sitting and it's not really important to me. It's cool in the moment, but it it doesn't really move me in any way anymore. So I'd like to consolidate 
maybe get some of that stuff into other Pacers collectors' hands that might appreciate it more than I do. It's just that I've had it for so long now that it doesn't do anything for me anymore. Um, so I like to consolidate a lot of stuff. And the other big one is just find more rare Brandon Rush cards. Okay. I've been on a, a pretty big dry spell with Brandon Rush. I don't know where they all went. I know there was a big collector in, I believe, Hong Kong years ago. So I know there's a lot of really nice, rare Brandon Rush cards out there. I just don't know where they are. They is, seem to be hidden. is it just Pacers or are you kind of, are you open to the Warrior stuff a little more now? Just Pacers and pretty much just his rookie year stuff. That's when I was going insane with collecting Brandon Rush. And I'd like to just find some of the stuff that I had back then. I found some of the bigger ones, some of the Super Fractor rookies. So I've managed to find three of those. There's still one more that I'd like to find. Uh, but yeah, just as rookie year stuff with the Pacers, I'd like to be able to track down, at least know where that stuff is so that maybe it could become attainable at some point. All right, Steve. Well, I've enjoyed talking to you today. As always, we could just sit here and talk about Pacers forever, but I know you've got little ones at the house and things to do. So you know how this works. Before I let you go, feel free to plug anything that you're working on, anything else aside from Brandon Rush that you're looking for. Go ahead and give us your social media handles in the process. The next few moments here are yours. All right. So yeah, I'm on Instagram at Vintage Pacers, all one word. On threads with that account as well, trying to make that something, but I honestly, I forget to check it a lot. Yeah. Just, um, just hold it just in case you never know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's it for social media. Uh, but yeah, if you've got any rare Danny Granger, Brandon Rush, stuff like that, hit me up and uh, we'll try to work something out. All right. Thanks again, Steve. Thanks. All right. Well, there you have it. I appreciate you guys giving two team collectors a chance to catch up and talk about some of our favorite things. Maybe there was something we talked about today that resonated with you. Feel free to reach out to me on social media. You can find me on Instagram under at Wax Museum Podcast or X under the handle at Wax Museum PC. In the meantime, if you like the content I'm providing, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Hit up the website for my affiliate links, tag Taco Bell, and let them know they can pay me in burritos. And until next time, this is the Wax Museum Podcast. Podcast.